Welcome, welcome back to a new episode of the Norep Podcast. I'm with the usual dobbers. Hello, Evan. What's happening? And Nathaniel, but we have a special guest today. Um, he's many things. I don't quite know how to introduce him. International man of mystery, uh, DJ Big Sexy. I've heard people call oh, you. Oh God. Um, <laughs> Haunts me. Ex-professional rugby player, uh, entrepreneur, busy man, Adam Ash. Thanks for having me. What's happening? Uh, practice Antro, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> practice Antro. <laughs> All the way down in the road. in the mirror for the last three weeks. <laughs> don't fuck it up, don't fuck it up, don't fuck it up. I nailed it. How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm, I'm glad to be here with you lads. And I'll tell you what, I love that fucking word, dobber. It's not said enough, good, to be quite uh, honest. Uh, enough. Good start to the podcast. Aye, there's a few. There's a, I think there's He's a few. talking about it before the podcast, that what it is. Talking about me? Aye. There's a few words like that, I think. Like Scottish words like dobber, jobby. Shit Aye. like that. Like there's, there's not enough jobby in the world. No. The jobby like, <laughs> is a use of. Okay. Those are the words that I've just had to cut out my vocabulary since being in America. I know. Like coming back, starting to get used to them again. <laughs> jobby, dobber, stuff like that. Fuck it, we'll skip, we'll, we'll get to that then. Right, how is it? I've got questions about it. You've just fucked up my series of questions. Sorry, I was going to go through your whole life and how you got to America. But I talk about America a wee bit because obviously you were there at the kind of tail end of your rugby career. How was, how was that? Yeah, it was good. Uh, obviously very different to here. Uh, but having played at Glasgow Warriors for like 10 years and then going out there, it was a nice change couple of years in LA, uh, that was amazing, obviously, sun every day, living by the beach, uh, cool, cool place to live, a lot going on, um, and then just the last year was, was Chicago, uh, but I was more like in a coaching role there, so defence coach or something, or forwards nah, coach, or, forwards coach yeah. there, so uh, that was good, that was like a, that was a good challenge, like totally different, obviously finishing up being professional as a player, but going into a role as a coach that quickly was quite a quite a, a step up if you could say that or a challenge but um no it was good like we can we can really dive into the the ins and outs of uh, the u.s journey but <laughs> general a general overview it was it was fucking it was a good time uh, i mean I, I probably wouldn't want to live there long term but it was a uh, it was a good few years uh, to say the least uh, i've been I've, I've been on holiday in america and i've got well just to la i've got relatives that live in like santa barbara and santa monica and stuff like that it's it's a place even though i went there like la in itself is like a, a bit of a mad place yeah. like even just some like the whole kind of wealth gap that you see even mm. over there it's like you've either got that money like fucking skid row and shit Ah, is that, yeah, is yeah, that yeah, that is yeah. That, is that, is that, is that, yeah. I never went there. My missus went there. Uh, she <laughs> somebody shooting up and like, passing out. Like, she said it was mental. Uh, but it is like that. The city Aye. is like obviously spread out. Like, you've got the downtown area, which I think like most tourists, mm -hmm. if they go there, will stay there. And it's like, that's not the place you stay. Nah. You do not go there if you go to LA. Maybe you go in for an afternoon and go to a nice restaurant or whatever. But you've got like Venice Beach, uh, which is probably the, the hub. Like, that's, and it is rough, it's rough down fucked. there as well. Like, you've got, a lot of homeless people there. Mm. Uh, I mean, I I was living there say three years ago. Now I actually went back but six months ago, and I thought it had got a lot better. Like you know, oh, just really? less people in the streets, like less tents about. Mm -hmm. But you really notice that if you go down there in the morning, first thing uh, when the the sort of like boardwalks not busy, you just it's like zombies, man. Like honestly, it's, 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 it's kicking about like, like beards, just like they've not washed like, in months. Like, it's it's just there's a lot of crazy that's what it is Aye. there's just a lot of crazy out it's there a, it's, a different, it is, it's a different it's, type of fucking junkie you get out there but then here different animal. here they're all male different animal. Over there. <laughs> how close is the divide so like is it like you've got somebody eating caviar in a restaurant where you've got somebody outside fucking getting full of smack or is it like there's uh, a bit of mileage between like the the madness no you see that like 
It depends where you go. Like the area that I lived in was like a more of like a family area. It was called Hermosa Beach, which was like next to Manhattan Beach, which is maybe an area that you've heard of before. But it's all just families, you know, like man, the average house price there is probably like three or four million. Like it's, 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 it's like mental. Right on the beach, uh, kind of like a little surf town, but that's five miles south of Venice Beach. Yeah. Oh, is so that- it's a wee bit further down, which was nice. Like we, they don't allow homeless people to be walking around there, like the, the local council will move them out or whatever. But ah, you see it, like, I mean- Police, but, police brutality. Yeah. <laughs> like, even, even in like Venice Beach, you've got, like if you go one street back from the boardwalk, you've got houses that are like 10 million. And then you've got these homeless people walking around, jumping through guards. One of the boys woke up, he was living in Venice Beach, he woke up to come to training one morning, went out to get in his car and there was a homeless boy sleeping in the back. Jesus. What? <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> and he just, I thought they just him. left him oh, unlocked or something. I left it unlocked and the boy jumped in for a sleep. Wow, man. And uh, he just <laughs> had wow. to say to him, look, can you get out? And the boy got out and just walked off. Aye, it's just like usual behaviour. That's it, aye. Nah, good that man, he's been sitting farting all night. He's just his door. What's that? movie? Is the other guys? When Will Ferrell's got that wee fucking red car and all the homeless people find it, they all start banging <laughs> oh, so in it. So there's a kings and all that. <laughs> <laughs> and they watch the video, all the pictures back. They get the pictures back or something. Yeah. That is brilliant. How did you, how did you find the the rugby out there? So see, like the ML, obviously there's fucking there's some big names and all yeah. that playing. But how did you actually find that compared to like over here and whatever? Yeah, I mean it was that like was my question. It talking. was uh, <laughs> sorry, bro. It's actually, it's actually quite physical. It's yeah. a physical league. Like you've got a lot of really good athletes. Obviously, people that have played other sports like mm-hmm. football in particular. But there's, there's people that can hit hard and that are powerful when you tackle them. I reckon I actually tackled like the strongest ball carrier I've ever. Really? really yeah, yeah. In America, so, from, uh, really? He was an ex-football player. He actually played at one of the top colleges and then I think he had the opportunity to go into the NFL and he was like, nah, man, like, he was from like, Hawaii. He was one of these like kind of like, mm-hmm. like rad, like soft, <laughs> a bit spiritual. Spring like, break. No, I've got to chase my dream. I want to be a rugby player. So he went and played rugby. But I remember playing against this guy. He played at San Diego and like tackling him, man. He was like a train. Like, he, was only, he was only about 95 kilos. But he was just, the power that he packed, like, just unbelievable. So, physical, there's just not the same sort of, like, tactical understanding. The the strategy, the IQ's not there. Uh, And it comes back to, it's like, well, you know, it's it's coaching, it's... uh, just the standard of player it's when you've got like obviously in our team in LA we had like some world-class players but then you have guys that have barely played professional rugby in the USA mm-hmm. so they're, they're maybe over here they maybe be a maybe prem two prem three standard player um so you've got to try and that's crazy right, right. It is, there, there's a big gap between the sort of levels but uh it's, it's still a good level like it's, it's a fun competition to play in because you're always traveling you're seeing all the major cities Everywhere. in the us mm-hmm. every second week that's and, cool man you know like i don't think playing in la anyway didn't play one game in rain like i think we had two training sessions in <laughs> two years in rain so that would be nice yeah uh, it was totally different to here so it was Aye. it was class uh but yeah i mean it's probably it probably was at the right time for me in my career like speaking to you like, a couple of weeks ago i was i was battered man my body was yeah. done in and I don't know how much longer I could have lasted here playing mm-hmm. at the level that I was playing yeah. at. So it was probably the right thing to take a step down and go and change sort of lifestyle and, and have some fun. Uh, Enjoy life a bit. I kind of want to kind of go in on that and kind of go 
not wait, not because you've done this a podcast before and stuff like that. And there's kind of a few different things I want to dive into, but how you kind of gone about from that kind of Glasgow coming into the Scotland setup and stuff like that. And then how about that time dealing with those injuries and how kind of pure sport and stuff like that was formed. I kind of want to go into that a wee bit because I found when we were talking last week or um, two weeks ago, I didn't actually know the reason behind why it was why you formed pure sport um and for those that don't know or less than pure sports a cbd brand would you say yeah it's like a wellness brand wellness, wellness brand. supplements aye um and how that was formed but the reason behind it rather than just you being like oh i think we could sell this but there was actual an application behind it sort of thing yeah there was uh it was a bit of a tricky time there's a lot of things that sort of come into it but like the the kind of basis of that story and how it all came about was that like essentially in 2017 uh, CBD had been sort of ticked off the banned substance list so it wasn't a banned substance anymore obviously we know it comes from the cannabis plant and there's all those sort of like relations to it but uh, the governing bodies removed it um, obviously a lot of people were talking about that at the time or well, not a lot of people but people that I happened to be listening to at that point through podcasts and stuff like that and me being me uh, maybe a little bit of a risk taker mm -hmm. uh, and you know always looking for an opportunity to do, do different stuff uh, I was like, I'm going to try it. So, you know, started using it. But all the sort of medics and, and professionals within the rugby world were sort of saying, like, don't use this stuff because it's not being tested by the likes of Informed Sport mm -hmm. and, and companies like that who can check for, you know, uh, you know, if there's like steroids being laced through it or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Some tainted. Oh, no. Tainted. <laughs> I'm really jacked. CBDs get training in it. But the, uh, I guess like, I was like, I'm going to try this. Like, and again, it probably comes back to the fact that I'd always struggled a little bit with my body, just mm -hmm. like I'd always sort of been battered up a bit more than most of my mates that were around me playing. So I started using it and I was like, man, this stuff's like really good. I was sleeping better, mm -hmm. felt like less anxious, like just like recovered better. Um, and then I started speaking to my mate Grayson about it and I'm like, all oh, right, well, we should do something here, man. I think there's an opportunity. So we literally got a bit of money together. Uh, we got the products made, um, just like a third party manufacturer, uh, branded it all up as, as Pure Sport CBD. And that was a start. Um, from there onwards, like that's when things started to get a little bit harder because like, you know, after that sort of first year of starting the company, well, we noticed it was like a lot of the rugby boys that we were playing with wanted to use the products. They were like, oh, this, this is really helping us. And they were posting it on their Instagram. But we had a little bit of kickback from Scottish Rugby at that point because obviously they thought there was a risk in players using the products because they weren't tested by Informed Sport. But Informed Sport weren't testing CBD products at that point. They actually couldn't do it. They didn't have the means to do oh, it. Exactly. If they did, we would have got it done. So we were testing to the highest degree possible, but it, it wasn't quite good enough for, you know, the, the top organizations to be happy with. So all the players and people around are posting about it and loving it. We're growing quickly. Sales are starting to sort of come in quite fast. And then uh, after about a year, Grayson left. He went down to London. So he left Scottish Rugby. I still had, I think, three years of my contract at Glasgow. And what had sort of happened was that uh, the union had put a sort of just a, a blanket ban on on players talking about it, advertising it, uh, being involved in it. So I, I couldn't really do anything that was forward facing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I sort of took a step. I was still working for the company. Like I'd say that now. I wouldn't say it back then, but yeah. I, I was still working in the background, just not talking about it publicly. Uh, but he moved down to London um, and obviously he could sort of push on with it. And what happened after maybe a year of him being in London is he retired from the game. So he really just sort of pushed just on went with all it. In. And then 
about a year after that, I left to go out to the US. So I, I was really involved in that for the first three years as a sort of a founder, uh, really initially just getting getting off the ground and building it. But I guess where the brand's gone from when I went to America to now, it's, it's grown arms and legs. Like it's just, nah, it's, it's huge now. Yeah. You see it on Instagram, people yeah. talking about it. It's, uh, it's the, the old uh, merch. The merch. Yeah. Best socks, I remember you best were, socks in the game. Uh, <laughs> you got the socks for your run, didn't you? You were, because uh, you were very much, I don't know when this maybe what maybe 2019 but you were like boots on the ground like shilling it like because mm. do you remember that um it was some expo at the hydro i remember that i uh, and you, you were you were there like just at this at the stall being like yeah who wants this and oh. i think it was like there was gummies and there was drops and stuff like that. people's mouths like, yeah because oh, I, so I think that's the first time i, <laughs> I maybe met you, you was back then like 2019 or whatever and we were chatting away about it and i was like this is pretty sick and then fucking fast forward a few years and then it's just like boom. And it's quite and it's cool to see that from like the the inception of it the start of it to then what it sort of mm -hmm. became it's like i honestly think we would have had the worst stall at that expo <laughs> yeah. was, but you know like it was like two weeks before i can't even remember what it was it was a health and fitness expo or something Aye. like that because there was like all speaking. sorts of shit going on there was a strongman competition a crossfit competition I think it was Scottish fitness fucking. Uh, it might have been. I was speaking to I was like St. Grayson. So, oh, this thing's coming up in Glasgow. I think he was in London at that point. I was trying to convince him, let's spend like eight hundred quid, get a stall, and we'll go down. I think we ended up selling like five bottles or something. <laughs> it was a complete like fatal flop. <laughs> you know what? Like I met you and we're doing this podcast today. So here we go. Full circle, man. Full circle. Really? Eight uh, hundred quid today. You sold five things. Like that, aye. But you know what? I like, didn't even buy anything either. So yeah. <laughs> it's funny these things. Like it's hard to like justify like if you're getting something back from you know the money you spend. But you're talking to people. You're there. You're, you're mixing with the big boys. There's some big brands there that, that get behind these things. So. I, I wouldn't go as far as saying it was a fail. I don't think we made our money back, but mm. like... You don't know what conversations then maybe happened off the back yet as know. well that you don't even know about that ah, exactly. maybe helped. You like, know, just people are probably saying, now well, I remember four or five years ago I was at this expo and I seen them, it was like the first time. Like That, that stuff might be happening. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. You know, it's just one of those like learning curves that, yep. you know, I, I wouldn't have done it differently. Aye. So with the, with the kind of inception of that, obviously it was in conjunction with you you know, playing at like the highest level, mm -hmm. um, sort of playing for Scotland, playing for for Warriors and stuff like that. Like, I think the and even just so I've 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 seen this to you the other week. Like, I've just came back into rugby after taking like a bit of a, a break off, and um, pretty much the same level, obviously. And I yeah. play against Oban. No, I mean, you, you want what we've done? We've both played at Murrayfield. Well, that's we it. I was actually like, going to say that I'm, half the men in this room have played so rugby coffee, at so. Murrayfield, <laughs> and half of them haven't. Um, but I've been. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fucking good night, good day. Yeah, it was a great day. Uh, it was good day. But like, obviously, you you kind of came about creating that because of like the impacts it had on your body, like how fucking physical the game actually is. And even for me, just coming back into it, being like, oh fuck, like I play on a wing, so I'm not in about doing the shit that you guys are doing. I'm, I'm humped for days. Yeah, man. I can so I can tell you played on four G. I can tell you played on four G just with wild. the with the sprains and stuff like that. But like, I remember actually because even before, um, like I knew who you were as kind of like um, as who you are now. Just it was like Adam Ash rugby player sort of thing, and then like seeing. I think I remember reading an article um, back then. It was something about your like you had like a mad neck injury. Yeah, and then yeah, that was in the lead up that. to like was it um, New Zealand or South Africa or something like that? Like, uh, like twenty one, twenty two. Yeah. Talk about that a wee bit. I I've been struggling with my neck, man. Like and like when you actually like look into like my dad had like a bad neck, like he had like a bulging disc. Um, 
that he'd struggled with in his neck when it, but it happened when he was about 40. My brother actually, like two months ago, he plays football and he went up to the head of the ball and he's fucked his neck as well. Like he's like, like <laughs> he had to like stay off work for like Fuck two sake. weeks beyond like anti-inflammatory painkillers. But anyway, so I, I obviously playing rugby maybe just accelerated the fact that there was some sort of underlying issue mm -hmm. there. And uh, I'd just like, I'd wake up in the morning and like probably since I was about 19, like I'd just, I would feel like I was sleeping. I'd go, to, I'd go to sleep fine. I'd wake up and I'd just have this like excruciating neck pain. I never understood what it was, but it was like, even just like little movements, like during the night, like changing my head position or if my pillow was in a certain position, it would irritate my neck. So that started to happen. And, you know, I'd get physio for it and, you know, you just keep playing through it and, you know, hoping that it was going to get better. It would kind of go like that. It'd get better. It would get worse. But then, uh, I was in the Scotland camp at the time and it was autumn tests. I think it was like, it was maybe like 2015. But we, we had a game against New Zealand with, uh, and, and I stayed in the hotel the night before, uh, but like the night before the hotel you move, or the night before the game you move into a different hotel, different bed, different pillow. Mm. So I'd woke up the next morning and I was like, right, this is a fucking next level pain. Like Fuck. I'd never felt anything like it. It was like that. I don't know if you ever heard like that nerve neural pain where it's like, shooting down your arm yeah, and it's just like, really, it's yeah, fucking it's just, yeah it's taken over your whole sort of like being it's fucked so uh i went down had breakfast and i was just like struggling i couldn't even eat and i got some painkillers from the dock uh took the aims like called them all and, and took the edge off it like i mean it got me yeah, to still that it was manageable and i was like i'm playing new zealand tonight i'm starting <laughs> <laughs> my fourth game i played for scotland I'm playing at murrayfield I'm playing this game. Like, yeah. I don't give a fuck. Uh, happens, yeah, I, yeah. If I have to yeah. take like Michael Goldemore before this game, I'm playing. <laughs> so uh, I played the game. It was fine as the day went on. It eased off, but uh, played the game. It was class. Like actually, we nearly beat New Zealand. It was three or four points. I, in I was it. At, so, I, I wasn't at the game, but I was in. In fact, here's another I funny think story. I was at that game. I was actually in Edinburgh for a night out on the day of that game. And then I was sitting in a booth with me and all my pals and Tim Visser oh, yeah. was in the booth next to us. And then everybody pulled up after the game and all that. And I remember, I remember going on about it, but I talk about that a wee bit more, like the fact that obviously this was easily, probably at that point, the biggest game of your career. Aye. Do you know what I mean? Like against New Zealand. And I kind of want to ask you like, what's that actually like? But do you think that even if your neck didn't get any better, you still would have walked onto that pitch? Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. I'd have done anything, man. Like I'd, you jump in front of a bus to like that. That was the like desire within me to like represent my country and like to push on doing that. So I would have done anything to get out there. Uh, it was an experience like facing up against a hacker. Mm -hmm. Like it was that. It was a five o'clock kickoff, and it was in November, so it was dark at that point. And they turned the lights off in the stadium. You remember it? And mm -hmm. everybody had their their lights on their phone. I was at that game. Yeah, uh, you remember yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, describing it. It's it's probably the only one that's been like that against you. It was fucking class, man. Like, like yeah. what was that? Like actually, like like see when you were sitting. Obviously, you're a boy. You're watching the game. You grow up playing the game, and then you're actually in it like right you're, the the you're, the, you're the guy you're the geezer sitting there facing that like what's that actually like that's a weird one to try and explain because you're just so like fired up like you're mm. it's not like you're viewing it from a normal point of view you're viewing it from like again it's like the, the desire is just through the roof to like go and get the job done the focus is just there it's like crystal it's just like laser focused so you're it almost like goes by and you don't really like you're not able to take in mm -hmm. what was going on because you're you were in such a like a certain headspace 
So it was cool. Like, I mean, you know, you're looking at your opposite man and, you know, you're looking at who's looking at you and you're like, fucking hell, this is brilliant. Class. <laughs> like, this is like, we're getting into it now. Um, but I, it was, it was cool. Like, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a, an amazing thing to face and it just primes you up ready to get stuck in as soon as that whistle goes at kickoff. It's Fucking like, it's, class, there's man. no better primer. Mm. Um, so that was a cool experience. But like, my favourite experience probably at Murrayfield was like when I played my first game there against Argentina. So that, my first cap was actually in South Africa uh, against the Springboks. Mm. And then maybe like four or five months after that, it was against Argentina at Murrayfield. But that, that was the best experience for me was like singing the anthem in front of like, you know, your your home fans, sold out Murrayfield families there. That was unbelievable. Remember that. Um, that will stay with me for a long time, I'm sure. Yeah. Did you, you didn't, didn't sing the, the national anthem at the start of... <laughs> no, 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 we, we did not. Did, we, uh, <laughs> did thingy, did, they didn't throw up a hacker that? No, they? there was no hacker when I played there. Nah, no, 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 I played there. <laughs> what was the thing that you... you, you do you know what's actually really funny? Is see him fucking chatting about what it was like to face the hack and stuff. Like, I had what he had on a fucking minuscule level do you know what i mean like you so did see, me, see, didn't see, he, but that that fear obviously no hacker but like playing there yeah i was fucking nearly great then stuff you know, yeah you'd be surprised like you say like, on a minuscule level it's probably the same level this is what it, i was going to get say. like uh -huh. those emotions that you feel don't get like amplified that much more it's just the emotion yeah. and that's it you know you that's love it and you've been wanting to do that for a long time i, and I know it's fun it was fucking sick that's that's what i because i i think we've maybe spoke about that a wee bit before and i was like I, like how high can that feeling actually yeah. get? Like if the stadium's like the stadium was still f full of people. Granted, it was it was one stand, but that one stand was packed, yeah. right? Biggest crowd you probably played in front of. Do you know what I mean? Most definitely. So then it's like, it, it, how much higher can it I get? Can it? It has to kind of be the same a wee bit. But then Similar. you kind of think to yourself, but but why? Because that is so much more amplified. Like there should be more of a thing. Do you know what I mean? But it's it's probably not. Like mm -hmm. you probably experienced the exact same emotions that he was experiencing. Which is why I came back. I'm like, uh, I want that. Well, <laughs> We're getting there this season. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, the way I would talk to that is that, like, see, when I played at Murrayfield for my first time when I was 17 years old for Stirling County, playing mm. in the the cup, whatever it was, the Scottish Cup. Yeah. Like, that same feeling was there for me when I played for Scotland. It's That's the same thing. It's not it. that indifferent. Wow. It's, it's, like, it's similar. You know, I think, like, the, the spectrum of human emotions is obviously, like, big and it could, you know, be whatever it is. But that feeling that you have is the same feeling that, like, motivates you to like keep going back and keep getting more yeah. and i think like when the thought of standing there and having that experience like maybe st stops evoking the same emotion in you that's when you know you're probably happy to step away and move away and maybe that doesn't Definitely. inspire you anymore you know? mm -hmm. did you did you feel that at all that emotion like uh, or that emotion tail off towards the end of your career uh, a little bit like in some ways i would say probably but like when you're in the environment of being on a rugby team and you're and you get behind like the mission and what you're trying to accomplish, mm -hmm. like you, you, even if it comes to just like your average game in a week, right? You know you might be playing against. Uh, I don't want to make any team sound like shit, so I'm not going to say anybody in particular. <laughs> if you're playing against like East Coast for right, example, we'll East Coast right? And you know what? Like you've got no uh, past history with East Coast or whatever. Let's just say you couldn't give a fuck about this game. Uh, you know, you're in a team and, and everybody's building towards going out and getting that win. So you end up getting behind it. Mm -hmm. You end up like really buying into it. So you can find ways to tap into that feeling even after a long time of maybe, you know, maybe it was like eight years since I played for Scotland and I'm getting towards the end of my career and that's not something that inspires me anymore. But you, you find a way to go out and get behind mm -hmm. uh, the group of people that you're working with to get the job done. 
and it becomes slightly different. You know, for me, it was more about at, at that point fulfilling my own dreams and desires of being out there and being that person mm -hmm. who could represent their country and, you know, dive head first into people's knees like a fucking Spartan warrior. Yeah. <laughs> that was what it was about for me. But as I moved on... Which I think you did very, very, very well. <laughs> I, well. That was what it was all about then. That's what inspired me. But as I got a little bit older, Mercury, it was more just like getting behind something, whether it being like... It's the same mm -hmm. in business. It's the same, you know, in sport. It's just putting everything you can into it to go out and get the win and make sure that everybody around you you're you're doing them proud and you're mm -hmm. and you're being a part of of getting that done how did you feel so obviously you were involved in like a kind of professional environment rugby wise for fucking what since you were like what 18 or something 18 18, uh, 18 till you were 20 29 29 how did you feel like not having that like because a lot because i've like at uni and stuff, they said that a lot of people can really struggle from the transition from going from professional sports into other stuff. Like how how was your head? Like honestly, like fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I went from playing professionally at twenty nine to then coming back to Scotland for three or four months. I was coaching at Stirling County, mm -hmm. and then I went out to Chicago to coach there. So I've I've never really left the environment. Just Even this has been the first four or five months when I get back. I got back in June, uh, so it's been four or five months and. I'm going to get back into coaching. I just haven't yet. I've been sort of focusing on other things, but I, I don't know. I, I feel quite happy. Like, I mean, class, I, I, I wouldn't say content is the right word, like, but I'd say fulfilled, quite fulfilled about what I've done. And like, and that's good, but I, it's not, for me, it's not been a hard transition. I've spoke about, about it a little bit like online, but mm. for me, I don't know. Like going, we spoke about it a little bit a while ago. Yeah. It's like that identity of being, uh, a, a rugby player I think like maybe for people that haven't explored other things outside of that mm -hmm. you'll have done that you you, you know yeah. you weren't playing professionally but you probably love what you do but you've got all this other stuff going on in your yeah. life so for me I think what happened was that like I was always open to like exploring these new ideas and it made me question uh, who I was you know I, mm -hmm. I think when I was maybe 18, 19, 20, 21 I was like this rugby player and like it was like I was deeply attached to that idea and concept. I am the rugby player. That yeah. was who I was. I didn't have any other like sort of like perception outside of that as to who I was. And then things started to change. You started to have little insights into you know, maybe hardships that come. Like I remember one thing happened and, and it like actually it was tough to go through but Glasgow, when Glasgow Warriors won the, the final in 2000 and 14, 15, I think it was. I can't remember. It all merges into one, but like we, we, we won the the Pro 14 final over. Is that when you were in Ireland? Over yeah, there, you still remember then? that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I had played like every game up until uh, played the semi final. Just got cut for the final, and that was me. I never played, and I wasn't a part of the winning the cup. And like that, I was 21 at that point, and I was like, right, well, like if I can just if that can be taken away from me, like, and I'm basing like all my almost like my worth and value as a person is this the rugby player but then like that something can just go like that from right under your feet well you start to question things a little mm -hmm. bit and that process happened probably over the next two or three years and i think when i got to and that's when i started like looking into other things like pure sport uh business you know and opening up and expanding my mind a bit after that sort of so, thing happening it's so, almost a blessing 100 percent, i 100 percent, like after that sort of thing happened or not that happened but a few things like that I just probably got quite uh, introspective you know started to look more at like who I thought I was like what am I like what actually am I mm -hmm. and that was the most valuable thing I think I got out of my 
rugby career was like one the people I met and like all the things that you learn. It was it wasn't like the things you won or the places you played. It was like the the cool people that you got to surround yourself with who mm -hmm. also had been on that journey who could like begin to learn things about themselves, come to certain conclusions, uh, outgrow certain mm -hmm. things that they thought like that. That that's really where the value is. Uh, so that was cool. That, that's cool to, to be able to done that. And it's a never ending process. You never get to the end of it. You're always yeah. going to be uncovering, you know, oh, layers of the onion. Constant like that. iteration. Constant did you, did you have that that thought right away when that happened when you were 21, or did that take time to develop? Because Good I thing. think that that because I, I think that if if I just think from from my perspective, my point of view, like if that happened to me, I think I'd be. Like heartbroken almost ah, you know, like, like the fuck like yeah like totally like and almost i think when you're 21 you're supposed to be a man you're supposed to have things fucking figured out but realistically i think all four of us or even five of us could probably say at the age of 21 we didn't have a oh, fucking clue no uh, so like how long did that even take for you to figure out long time at first it was just like heartbreak it was like, like you're just gutted man like you don't mm -hmm. know how to like explain what you're feeling but you just feel like shit and we just went on the bevy, man. That's how most people tend to deal with it. <laughs> 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 went to, uh, I got dropped on the Thursday, told the Wizzy played. Gregor Townsend pulled me aside. He's like, look, you're not going to be playing. And I was like, oh, fucking God. Fuck. So the next day, like all the boys that weren't playing, you just get together and you kind of like just pick each other's spirits. You know what it's yeah, like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we flew over for the game <laughs> and we just got on it. Like, on a flight at like eight in the morning, just smashing guys into the airport <laughs> right through. Then we flew back at night. So it was like an 8 a.m. in the morning till like one, two in the morning when we got, we got back at night. That, that's how we did. That's how we dealt. That's the initial response. Like, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, yeah, no, that's you know, exactly. It's, yeah. it's, it's sometimes appropriate. That's the culture as well, especially in rugby, I suppose. <laughs> but, when uh, I lose, we're on the booze. Uh, <laughs> but to go back to the question like it never uh, that realization never set in straight away it was a long sort of process of unfolding and then starting to like refine the question like like just really try and understand like things it took months mm -hmm. and it, honestly only over the last like year or two would i be able to like look back at that and say oh i think that's what was happening mm. at the time it, it was a, a long process of like mm. really sort of doing a bit of digging into what I saw myself to be and the identity that I held myself as is mm -hmm. that point. And then that sort of just triggered a little bit of explore exploration over the, the next sort of 10 years of my career. Yeah. I think, so see, after that, kind of, because that's obviously the tail end of the season, did you have kind of aspirations to be like, right, well, fuck, I'm going to make sure I don't get dropped again? Do you think that picked your performance up or did it kind of tail off a wee bit? Good question. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say how that would affect me, but like definitely at times I thought it served me worse because there was a fear in the back of my mind that was almost lingering there, like mm -hmm. this is going to happen again. Aye. But then at the same time, I, I probably didn't. I, I played my best rugby like a couple of years after that. So in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. It's hard to pinpoint. Mm -hmm. I probably played my best rugby in two thousand and seventeen uh, when Dave Rennie came in to Glasgow Warriors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, he came in. And like, you know, had a bit of sort of confidence and faith in me. Interestingly, that was when Gregor had left Glasgow, who was obviously had went through some of that stuff with, and you don't know, like maybe there's like a bit of baggage that you sort of carry on there or whatever. Yeah. But he's Gregor's great. He's, he's a great coach. I wouldn't say anything bad about him at all. Um, but when Dave came in, I did feel like there was a sort of a new lease for life, and yeah. I'd almost moved through a bit of that and yeah. had a good season. We got back into the Scotland squad uh, to play in the November test. I was going to start against Tonga, I think it was, and like three days or five days before that, I ended up like 
doing my ankle in oh, and was out for three months. And that was me getting back in yeah. after probably a year out. Mm -hmm. So that never happened. And that was probably the last opportunity I would have had to play for Scotland. So yeah. like, it's funny how uh, things work out. Uh, I think even going backwards um, in your kind of Scotland career, like kind of right at the start, I think you were right on the cusp of that World Cup selection mm, in 2015. Uh, uh, it was 17 no, or 15? 2015, uh, You were kind of like on that cusp of that. So, uh, and then that's the kind of time where you had a lot of these younger guys come in, like mm -hmm. the Finn Russells, Johnny, like you had a lot of you guys kind of coming into the team at that sort of stage. Mm -hmm. Like what did that, did you feel the same sort of feelings from the, the Glasgow thing as the Scotland thing in 2015? 100%. Yeah. Because uh, you played that, you played the, was it the South Africa? Was that the warm up game for the World Cup? No. No. Who did I play against? Played against Italy. So, like, is that what it was? Yeah, it was funny how, like, that worked out. Because, like, moving into the World Cup, we, you're in camp for eight weeks and then you start playing games. But, like, depending on, like, the squads that get selected for the games and who's playing in those games, like, obviously, like, can make you look good or it can make you look shit. <laughs> You've got no control of that. And that happened and like that was definitely like a topic of the conversation within the squad at that time. But I think coming off the back of the season that I'd had at Glasgow and obviously had having played uh, for Scotland in the summer and that going quite well, like everybody was looking at me as like a he's he's gonna get picked, you know, he's yeah. he's in yeah, that squad. Yeah, on the plane. Everyone yeah. was thinking that. And then uh I went to uh, I actually went to Turkey with my missus uh when the season finished and I was just I just need to get some time off, man. Like you know, I've been, you know, stressing out the rugby. I just need to switch off. So we went to Turkey for like two weeks and uh, it was like an all-inclusive hotel. <laughs> Man, I put on about fucking seven kegs. Like eating like fuck on the fucking beers man like it was it was good fun but that was like the first time like i'd been away like yeah honestly you go on lads holidays for five days and you come back like mm. you're not really eating so it doesn't put you don't put on weight but yeah. we went away. so anyway i came back in to the world cup camp and i think we did like a fitness test and i got like a bit of a shit score and i think like, <laughs> Bern, Bern Carter was like what's going on here like uh and then obviously they found out that i put on a bit of weight and stuff like that um so anyway i was like at that point i was like right i need to do everything i can to get on this plane so i literally went like full paleo like <laughs> for like let's just say like 10 weeks 10 or 12 weeks aye fucking hell and i, I went from 114 kilos to 105 Jeez. like it was just like I lost a lot of weight and I was probably in the best shape of my rugby career. I was in the best shape the way I looked. You know, yeah. I had low body fat, mm -hmm. you know, a good good bit of muscle, strong in the gym, fit as fuck on the field running. But I just lost a bit of like bang. Like mm. I just lost that like power. Mm. Uh, when I carried the ball into contact, I was just, I wasn't quite making as many meters as I was before. Um, so I played a game against Italy and it went all right. I played all right, played quite well. Um, and then we had an internal game that I played in and that went actually really well, played well. You know, a couple of guys coming up after and say, oh, you actually played really well. And you know, that probably confirms things in your mind that you did all right. You definitely yeah. question yourself. You don't yeah. know really how you did, you know what it's like. But anyway, like maybe the next week, Vern pulled me into the changing room. It was like this little changing room. It was like a little box in Murrayfield, like, it's actually, I think it's like a technical room in, mm. in the in the tunnel. And it was me, him, and like four or five of the other coaches. And he was like, right, uh, you know, we just think that you've got to be doing better uh, if you want to get on the plane at the World Cup. And he was, he was just giving me a wee bit of a, a bit of a rocket, you know, like he was kind of sending me a bit of a message. And I was like, 
unsure as to what was going on. And in hindsight, I know what he was doing. He was just he was priming me for telling me that I wasn't going. You know, that was mm -hmm. that was what he was doing. So anyway, a week later, you know, you, you get a call off him, and uh, you know you're not going, and you're just like, oh fuck, man, that's mental. I can't believe it. Uh, so you're obviously you go through the whole thing again, like gutted. Uh, but I fuck, what can you do? It's sport, isn't it? Like, I mean, you live and learn, and like. I knew that, like, I, w I went away and had a good time on my holiday. I fucking lived my life and it was good fun. Mm -hmm. And I came back and then I, w I, I committed, like, nothing I'd ever committed before. But I actually fucked myself because I was naive. I thought, like, you know what? If I if I get in the best shape, if I get my body fat low and I can get to a place where I'm as fit as I can be, then I'll have a good chance going. But I went too far. Mm -hmm. you know, I lost too much weight. And, like, at that point, you're 21, you don't know what the right balance is for you. Like, how yeah. heavy do you need to be? How strong? Like... So you're, you're figuring that out and obviously as your career goes on after going through something like that, you know that you can't get back down to that weight because you lose that. Aye. But aye, that's what happened and uh, it was shite. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I've, I've, I remember when Vern Cotter came in and then there was like rumblings that he was a bit of a hard bastard. Like, yeah. they don't have people doing mad shit in like the, the, the 2015 World Cup Um training camps you know i'm doing like fucking it was like killing rabbits or something like that uh, <laughs> I, I heard something like what was that do you know uh, anything about that stuff like that going on uh i think i could speak about it i don't know oh, fuck yeah we'll uh, cut it out see if you can we'll cut it out i <laughs> know <laughs> uh, there was stuff happening like um we went like to france and uh we're staying in this like marine camp up in this fucking mountain like it was nothing around it and we were just like what's going on here <laughs> Or paint we, on the morning. Or <laughs> honestly, it's like And we woke up, we, we, we were getting flogged actually. So it was two days before this happened. We were getting flogged up at the altitude on this field. like, And I'd hurt my ankle, so I, I couldn't actually train. So I wasn't, uh, they weren't happy with me for that either. But anyway, uh, it was like, right, we're going to go up this hill. So the Marines took us up this hill and they're walking for like, honestly, it must have been about four hours up oh, this fucking fuck mountain. Sake. And it was like roasting, carrying these bags. We got up to the top and we, were, we just thought we were coming back down. And he's like, right, we're staying up here for the night. <laughs> so, like, okay. Um, and we, we went around, walked down this wee bit. It was under a bit of shelter. There was trees there. <clears throat> and there was four rabbits in cages. Uh, <laughs> there was four rabbits. And uh, like, right, we've got these rabbits here. Like, we're staying for the night. Obviously, we've not got any food organised. So, like, you know, if you want to eat, then you know, a person from each of the teams, the clans that we were in at that point, has to kill the rabbit. Then the marine was like, right, we'll show you how to how to do it properly. So they showed us how to do it, and uh, somebody would volunteer and go and do it. I never. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so one person would go up and do that, and then uh, we uh, we fired them onto the barbecue. We started cooking them. And then a van pulls up around the corner and doors swing open at the back and there's a full spread barbecue, uh, wine, beers. Like, no. So obviously we never ate the rabbit, but we, uh, we got stuck into some some good food and, and we cooked a proper barbecue. And That's fucking wild. We actually got, we got, we got on it. We, were, uh, we sank a few bottles of wine in that. It was good fun. And then no like way. obviously when you're that high up and gets like midnight, the temperature fucking plummets and it's like minus three in the middle of the night didn't have a fucking cover or anything like that, just sleeping under the stars. Uh -huh. So that was an experience, but yeah. Uh, that's fucking, in that's interesting coaching. Isn't it? Like, 
Uh, do you think? Did that make a difference? Well, what he was wanting to do, he was wanting to step up. up. Who's going to be willing to, to feed the group? Aye. And, you know, there was people there that were vegans and that, like, running off around the corner. Because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want to see it and that, like... Really? Happening. It was the professional rugby players that were vegans? No, it was more like staff Oh, members. the staff, I, yeah, right, right, staff I was going to say. Yeah. That's yeah, mad. I, like, I would like to think, talking about it, I would like to think that I would be the guy that would step up to do it. But then I think when it... When push goes to shove, I'd maybe be nah, like, "I'm not killing a bunny." Uh, Fuck that. It was it was I bunnies even... as well. It wasn't the proper bunnies, like aye. Uh, I, you know, you would do it. I'm sure all of us would do it if we had to eat. You had to eat. We were only at that point. Hundred percent. Yeah. Just yeah. Like, See know, if it was tired. life or death. You're doing aye. it. I'm, I'm killing that rabbit. Yeah, you're doing you it. You would do it. Yeah, but at work, slip up a mountain. Bad. Was it? Was there any other kind of mad, like out of box coaching experiences you ever had to go through like that? Or was that up there with like the kind of top one? hard to think now but like that's probably one that was like quite rogue uh, <laughs> and there was obviously a bit of backfire in the media hopefully we're beyond that now yeah and we can talk about it hopefully <laughs> <laughs> but like it's interesting like coaches work in different ways and like you, know, you learn stuff I, I was really fortunate through my career to have had some some of the best coaches in the world like when i think about some of the guys i've worked with like gregor townsend dave rennie uh, Vern Vern was interesting. He was a good coach, though. Uh, Scott Robertson, the Crusaders coach, mm -hmm. spent a bit of time with him. Matt Taylor, like honestly, spoiled for for choice when it came to like high quality coaches. So you end up learning all this stuff from them and how they go about their business. And for me, that was really helpful when I stepped into actually coaching professionally. Um, you know, it was it was a bit of a transition because. A lot of the boys in the team, I I, I knew them. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I played with them; they were mates of mine. But I had to be a coach and a mate. Some of them were my best mates. That that was also quite challenging. But I was really I I, I was spoiled. I had some really good coaches that I worked with. Mm -hmm. uh, Who would you say had the biggest impact on you? Maybe as a player, or maybe as a man. If that means, do you know what I mean? As a coach, like a coach on me, or a coach player, on you? Coach on me. Uh, probably. Scott Robertson. Yeah. I mean, I only spent three months with him in New Zealand because I went out on a scholarship out yeah, there yeah, yeah. and he was still like, I mean, he was coaching the academy at that point. Uh, now he's the All Blacks coach, is he? I think he's is he All Blacks coach. Yeah, I think yeah. he might be. So, he um, is, yeah. is he? Yeah. Uh, he, Break dances and shit. Uh, he does yeah. all that shit. Yeah. It was just, it was <laughs> just his energy, man. Like how he went about life. Like he would just turn up and he would just be like full of energy, man. Like he'd be out surfing in the morning, he'd rock <laughs> up and, you know, he was just like this like interesting character. And you could tell that he really like just cared about people, you know, like he wanted the best for people and he was willing to show up to his work every day, have a good time. And that energy was infectious, like on everybody, that. like, and I, I learned so much about, you know, how, oh, about what I wanted to be. Like it gave me like a, an ideal in my mind, like that's what I want to be like, I want to be him. Mm -hmm. And that honestly to this day, like it lives with me, like knowing that like I spent time with that guy and where he's gone in his career and how he sort of impacted me like that's cool like that that's that's inspiring like that's, that's what everybody sick. wants like yeah yeah yeah. Um, i think a, a mad thing about that is that he's that's obviously like who he is like as a person but he might not even realize that he's had that impact on you and probably others as well so I but i think that people who are like that end up in the places that they're in just now mm -hmm. because of that do you know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. because of that. But then speaking on that, you're you're gonna end up having a bit of that yourself, being a dad. Yeah. Of course. Fatherhood, mm -hmm. we're talking a wee bit about that. Last time 
three dads in here, Danny. My pullet game strong. Game strong <laughs> Zero for three. <laughs> <laughs> Zero for three. I like that. Yesterday. Like that. I like that. I like that. How did uh, we were we were talk, chatting a wee bit about that the the other week and stuff like that? Like you were just ready to take take on that role a wee bit. Yeah, I think so. I think you probably get to like your late twenties, maybe early thirties for some people, but like you feel that like that's probably something that you just kind of are ready for in life. Like someone else to look after, someone else to provide for. My wife, she's ready for that. You know, she uh, she always said for a long time she wanted to wait till she was older to have kids, and then literally within about six months, it was like from. I don't want kids to, we're having kids, you know. <laughs> and yeah. now we're getting one in his hand. It's exciting. Uh, it's going to be good. Uh, looking forward to it. All, all's going well so far. And uh, we've got we've got about two months now until wow. till the baby comes. So it's uh, it's going to change. I'll need to get my last few nights in with the boys uh, before things go south. <laughs> definitely. Have you gone, is the, is, the, is the room prep to you that far in no. advance? Nah. Nah, the nursery's not done. We've just finished in the house. So like, we'll get the nursery done in the next few weeks. Yeah. Yeah, Jeez, I, I lost my office to um, <laughs> to fucking to the nursery. I lost my, my I lost my PlayStation room. To, uh, <laughs> I was like during lockdown. Uh, I was like during lockdown. Um, the in fact the only reason why that room got done so quickly is because she ended up falling pregnant beforehand. It was there was clothes everywhere. There was a TV on the floor and a chair, and I just used to sit and just fucking play play Call of Duty on fucking lockdown. Man, that was the life. That was the absolute life. But uh, I does I think I don't know how your reaction was but amanda we've spoken about this a couple of times on the podcast she made a really cute video about like she filmed her oh, telling you the, she, the whole fucking yeah thing was yeah. great when katie told me i didn't speak to her for four days i was just in like pure denial mode really? she thought i was going to leave her and all that sort of shit i was just like i just went into shutdown you just but there's a bit of there's a bit of story behind that but uh what was your reaction when you get told I mean, it helped me a bit because we were trying, like, it happened quite quick after a couple of months. Uh, but I, I was away, we were in Chicago at the time, but I was away, we had an away game. And I flew back on the Sunday and Elisa had realised that she was pregnant on like the Friday, but she didn't, she hadn't told me. What? So she had to wait until, until I was there. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She picked me up at the airport and was like, I've got some news for you. And I was like, oh, what is it? She's like, oh, I'm pregnant. I was like, oh, fucking brilliant. Like, oh, that's great. Good news. It was just a, a nice feeling, you know. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. And then about 10 seconds after that, the fear, boom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. I've got a kid coming, right? Yeah. This, this is happening. You know, it's, it's coming. So it was a mixture of like excitement, but like fear, because ultimately it's a life and you've got to look after it. You've got to provide for it and it's yours. Yeah. Uh, so that was quite scary. And I think like, you, you do probably struggle with that for a bit you know like mm -hmm. you you battle those kind of inner dialogues that are going through your mind and then after a bit of time you start to get used to it. like anything it's like the more you resist something and push it away the bigger it becomes mm. but if you can create that little space that home for it within your head and become okay with it it just fizzles out doesn't it it just it becomes becomes something that you're you're completely fine with so as times went on i don't even i mean i go as far as saying i don't have really any worries now about, yeah. about having a kid it's more exciting than it is scary it's going to be a challenge it's going to be hard it's going to put strain on our relationship that we've probably never had or never had that level of before so i that'll be it'll be fun Aye. i think the speaking on now hattie's nearly she'll be two in january end of january um the 
the feelings and the emotions and that when when they're not here are worse than when they're actually here because when they're actually here you're just you're in it and you're like uh-huh. it's actually not that bad like you build yeah. things up in your head to be worse than what they actually are but then when you're going through it it's like you know thinking back even like five years like oh fuck i never know what to do being a dad and even when i'm when i get her and then they're there and then the nurse fucks off and you're like i don't know what do i do now you know mrs pure zonked to it you're like what, what's happening here like i've got this pure alive thing yeah. and then you just fucking they know what to do more so than we know what to do it's mad they just just natural they just do stuff mm-hmm. yeah it's total human nature Who they just the baby they just is that your sort of baby or katie oh baby baby yeah, yeah. Uh, baby katie have I, you found your worries have changed since having Hattie so general worries of like day to day are like do you know what I mean because now Hattie's here so now it's like worries that you'd maybe think about yourself worry about yourself you know you're like now you're like well it doesn't really matter, doesn't really matter. Like, <laughs> I, I think for the most part I've always been a very laid back guy anyway like I've not been pure too wound up about stuff like that like low level stuff like maybe i was when i was a lot younger but as i got older i think that it's more just being an addition to my life rather than like a, like a good addition to my life rather than just like a pure oh i've now got to worry about this like mm-hmm. it's not like i've no i've got this i don't know it's a kind of weird thing to try and explain yeah, i think me, it's interesting i definitely think there's something in what you're saying it's like when this thing happens and it comes along it's like a new uh depth of meaning in your life I so did. like all those little like you know niggly little thoughts that you know, most people would normally be, have. did even come up anymore. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you because like, care about them. You're just, I don't know, it probably just changes the whole way you view life and your perspective. Right. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see if that happens. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. I feel like, like for me, I've got more clarity of like what I want from my life now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I know it's, like, I'm just, it's all about ba- currently unnamed baby. Yeah. Petulia. I'm, Petulia. I'm Petulia. 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 Like, and it's Petulia. just, I feel, I feel calm. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I feel sound. I feel sound. Yeah, which totally. is kind of cool. It's mad, isn't it? Just wait until they start shitting up their back, man. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. The babies defy gravity. No, like if you shit your pants, I don't know how often you've done that before, but it goes that it goes that way. Yeah, you when, seem to know a lot about that. When, when, when few poop stories. Uh, when babies shit themselves, it, it goes, goes, it goes that way. And it's it actually. Aye, yeah. So be prepared. Like just always have extra vests and clothes and shit on deck because the poo goes up the way. And like I had to buy a new car seat and shit like that. Like it, it gets it gets fucked. Is so. your missus like mega like prepared? Nah, I wouldn't say so. Like not really but she's pretty much saying that like, we need to get four or five things mm-hmm. i mean we'll be wrong there i don't know like, <laughs> like i don't know i just again i didn't have any involvement of what we we're getting what we weren't getting i just nah, seen things come at my bank account just like nah, ding, 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 that so. seems to be the same yeah, so loads of amazon deliveries every Hi. single fucking uh, day i know the guy in first name terms now so obviously looking forward into the future i kind of wanted to spend a wee bit more time on it but we're kind of running out um was obviously the kind of next steps obviously you're going to be coming a dad but you've also dabbled your foot in kind of new projects and stuff like that mm-hmm. so talk a wee bit about that yes yeah. uh so i mean after i came back from chicago i wanted a bit of time out of coaching like i, I love coaching it's good uh i just don't know if it was serving me that well like I've got this thing about me where like I, I need to be like making stuff like creating things like I, I've got this like little fucking itch that I just need to keep like doing stuff and it and in my professional rugby career I think it like at times harmed me like obviously with the pure sport thing and Scottish rugby having a bit of an issue with that Chicago uh, I was making music I was DJ and I was making music and I know that there was people within the organization that would see me posting about it and they would have like an issue 
I also know that there's fans that are looking and they're like, well, this is boy, they've lost three games in a row and this boy's posting about DJing a video <laughs> and, uh, you know, he should be coaching. I'm like, well, hold on a second to you. Like, the commitment to my job as a coach was like, I, I could never second guess that. It was like, mm. and anybody that I was working with, I think they'd say the same. But of course, when you do stuff like that, when you, when you have maybe different facets to your personality mm. that you know, if you put out there, if it's something that you really love and want to do, there's more chance of you getting an opportunity for mm. for that thing, whether it being in music, whether it being in you know starting a company, and you have to do it. You have to use social media. So I just I just felt for coaching for me at the moment is probably not the best route to go down in terms of like professional and starting a career there because I've got other stuff that I want to do mm. and I want to be able to do it. So I came back and one of my one of the investors in Pure Sport he's involved in another company called Zapity. It's just it's a file sharing platform. It's not the most exciting fucking thing you've ever heard in your life. Mm-hmm. It's a you know, it's a it's a tech company so i inve- i actually invested into the company and then helped them out with some just fundraising uh, they're trying to raise like a million at the moment so i helped them out uh, you know introducing them to some people who wanted to get involved and then off the back of that they were like we've got a role for you that we think would be suited for you you know you could make a difference for us so i do like three days a week for them at the moment and that's nice because it gives me a little bit of time to work on a few little projects that i've got going on in the back uh, but it's good. I, I like it. They're, they're all really good people. Like I'm the youngest who's working in the company by quite a long way. Some of the people are based down in London. That's more like the the software tech people, and then up here in Glasgow is the more more of the commercial team. So uh, it's been nice. I, I've really liked it. Um, and I think what sort of happened over the last like three or four months is that it's probably made it a bit more clear to me. I, I didn't I didn't really see this at the time, but what was going on with the coaching and, and the rugby stuff you know I, I feel a bit better about things now mm. like you know there's a bit more of a i don't know if it's just a structure in my life uh, or whatever but you know i wake up and i'm I'm very hungry to get out there and, and sort of get going with things and, and get this company moving forward you know i'm in a good routine with with training and stuff like that too so it's good to be settled again in glasgow and actually have our house uh, we've been moving around like fuck for the last three or four years so I don't know, may, maybe all those things combined, uh, I'm at a point where I'm kind of looking forward to working with this company for the next three or four years, hopefully build it up. And the aim is to sell it. Hopefully we can sell it in, in, in four or five years probably and uh, and make some money. That's that's mm-hmm. the aim. Let's go, man. Amazing. Uh, but I, I don't know. I'll probably, as I say, I'll get back into coaching at some point. Uh, always then, welcome East Kilbride, mate. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> could, could come down, couldn't I? You got, you got coaches, you got, you got. We do have coaches, but there's room for one more. There's, okay. there's, there's def- always room for one more. Yeah. We'll, we'll chat after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and the captain as well. So <laughs> we'll we've got the, he's actually got the paperwork in the car as well. <laughs> yeah. ready to go. Mate. <laughs> Don't need it, mate. Just sign it. <laughs> we did. Yeah. Um, but no, we'll, we'll wrap up there. We can go for we can go for ages, but yeah. I've had a ton of fun doing this. But uh, class, thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, Thank you, mate. Run off. Run off. Run off. Run off. Excellent. Spot on, yeah. man. Cash out there.